Let me just say this. You know, the very first step, we all know, I, my mind's going down one path and we're going to hook up, but do you know it's not my Christianity versus everybody else's religion? I, I don't have to justify my Christianity against your Buddhism or your Hinduism or whatever other kind of substitute. The issue is not my Christianity against your religion. It's about the one God who made everything. And you're going to have to settle. I know this doesn't apply to everybody, but it applies to some. You're going to have to settle in your heart what you're doing here on this planet. How you got here. And if you think all of this is some kind of cosmic accident, that you're sitting here, that you just grew up from a cell that was zapped some kind of weird way, you're living in fairy tale land. You're going to have to settle in yourself that there is one God and He made everything that is. And it is no accident. It is no accident. Everybody with me? It is no accident. And I hope that fact pesters you until you give in. It is no accident. And if it is no accident, then it's on purpose. And if it's on purpose, then you're here for a purpose and you're created with purpose and you have a life to live and a reason to live. And if you have a reason to live, then there is a right way to live. Everybody hearing me? And see, Jesus is not the figurehead of my religion. Jesus is the solution to separation from God. Because God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. And there's something about God that allows his kids freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. And see, if you're a parent, you realize there's a right way to parent kids. That doesn't mean they're going to listen to you. Right? I mean, take God and Adam. Right? I don't think God did a bad job. But Adam didn't listen. And that's the risk and the reward of being a parent is that you continue to stretch out your hand and try to give the very best. Okay? I'm not trying to author and put a stamp of approval on all parents here. I'm just saying that you're going to do what's best for your kid. And if they don't accept it, that's a choice. Everybody say choice. And that's what God gave Adam. He didn't want robotic relationship. Could you imagine robotic relationship? Tell me you love me. I love you. I don't mean it, but I love you. You're forcing me to. Is that, is that, is that the kind of relation? You know, like, could you imagine, you know, me and my wife? Like, Tell me you love me. I love you. <laughs> that's not relationship, right? That's not healthy. That's not reciprocating. That isn't family. See, God wanted relationship with His Son, Adam. 
And in order to have that, they have to be free thinking and able to make choices. And you know, God says, you can eat of all, look at everything I gave you. You can eat of every single one of these trees, every single one of them. Just don't eat of that tree. That one. And there's a lot of symbolism and there's a whole series of messages you could go down there about what that is and what it meant and why God did that. But the bottom line is that tree was dangerous for him. And it was the devil who was the originator of sin. The devil who was the originator of selfishness and pride and arrogancy that came in and said, hath God said. And created a secondary story. And look, we got all this evil that's in the world. You can just flip on the news. You can study history. The kind of stuff that we come up with is terrifying. And Jesus is not the figurehead of my religion. He is the solution to life from death. Because sin came in the world through our decisions and death by sin. And every single person here, unless Jesus comes, is going to have to face the door of death. And you better face the door of death with life on the inside of your heart. Because sin propagates death. The wages of sin is death. So, in other words, it's not like God is handing out death because you're sinning. It's like you're asking to be paid in death wages. You have sin and you're saying I'm being paid with death. And Jesus came that you might have life and life abundantly. He is the solution. He came and swallowed up death. He came and swallowed up sin. He came to separate you from it, not give you a solution to continue in it. Amen. And you're going to have to settle it in yourself. You're no accident. You're here for a purpose. And if you're here with a purpose, there's a right way to live. And if there's a right way to live, then what am I doing? And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to zing some things. Okay. <laughs> and the good news is you don't, it's not your ability. He comes to give you his heart. And he comes to give you his ability. And he comes to reveal to you a right way to walk, right? And so the very first revelation, the door that we all face is you hear about Jesus and you hear about it from somewhere. You either hear it from your growing up or you a friend tells you about Jesus or somebody preaches to you. And you and, and the outside, what's coming at you is you need to receive Christ. He's the solution. And when you yield to that in obedience and you truly repent from your heart and turn from sin, God is there ready to recreate. Everybody say recreate. Recreate. You are a new creature. New creature. The old has passed away. The new has come. And see, if you are a new creature, one of the challenges for religious Christians is that they believe they have been so they have been so immersed in church life that they have become accustomed to sin in Christian living. And you have to re-remember you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
And if you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, the old things have passed away. I don't care if you've been living with this message for 20 years. If there are things in your life that don't look like Christ and you already know what you are, this is the message. You didn't save yourself and you didn't recreate your spirit. God is there right now to provide ability to step out of those things that don't look like Jesus. And I feel it. I'm hitting things. And, and each and every one of you have these things that God is highlighting to you right now that don't look like Jesus in your everyday walk. And if you will make the leap with me that you don't have to hide behind the language of I am walking out of it, I'm processing. God is growing, you know, he's working on me. Look, he, he worked on you. He recreated you and you so so if you become alive in an area it's not because god is doing a new work (laughs) somebody's breaking in down there (laughs) oh okay all you did was acknowledge that you died with christ two thousand years ago and if you say i died with christ two thousand years ago i'm alive i walk with him today in newness of life Is that making sense? I don't believe in progressive salvation. I believe in the salvation. And when, like what Francis said, she says, we don't even know sometimes how much God loves us, right? I pray that we all grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and that that knowledge becomes fuller and fuller. And when we see, how many of you have had God show something to you that you do, you might have been walking along thinking you're okay and you've always done things a certain way in your personality and how you treat people. And then all of a sudden God tells you something and it just hits you upside the head and you realize you've been wrong and you weren't. <laughs> Once you realize that, what's it? let me give you a really profound revelation here. God tells you something like that. What does he expect? Change. He doesn't give you commands that you can't keep. This isn't the Old Testament anymore. This is the New Testament. This isn't inability that produces frustration. This is the life of Christ producing faith and grace to do what he says you can do. That means the moment. I I hope this brings hope. Because the moment your mind understands something new about God, you can employ it right then. Right then. And and see, I had this wrong for a long time. God would tell me something and I would think, boy, I really need to fast about that. I really need to spend some time praying. You don't need to pray and you don't need to fast for 40 days to get to be able to accomplish that. If he's telling you to do it, the grace and the strength is there to do it. If he's revealing to you how to walk free, then you're a child of God. Walk free. If you didn't know it before, now you know it. If you know it, now walk in it. Amen. Let's go to uh we got five minutes, all right? I'm not over. <laughs> Let's go to Second Peter. I know all of you would stay here until one. I know that. <laughs> I I just jumped right into ministry. I didn't do anything personal, I didn't tell you anything. I'm 
Um, but I'm so glad to be back and, and to be able to share with you this week. And uh, I know most of you know that there, this is a family conference, and we're going to have more pointed discussion about that, but I believe this will tie in nicely with like a lot of the things that we're going to talk about. Um, Second Peter... <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 2. This is, this is the verse where my mind went when, when, when Francis said that. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what means? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, is it just knowledge? Is he just wanting you to know more, to know more's sake? You know, it's just to know more, right? Let me, let me put it to you this way. Could you imagine a brain that knew everything. I've seen some of these movies, you know, babies, like little babies, they, they pretend that these little babies know everything there is to know. It was a movie in the 90s. It was probably really bad. And these little, these little kids, they're less than two years old, and they know everything. They're geniuses. They can, but once they grow up, once they get past a certain age, they forget it all, you know, and they become us. <laughs> Could you imagine a brain or, you know, like my little Emma, she knows everything. But what good is it? What good is it if you were just some kind of elevated brain stuck in a tube and you didn't have any hands and you didn't have any feet and you couldn't do anything with it? If you had the knowledge on how to create unlimited energy, but all it was was a brain floating around, you couldn't do anything with that, right? God hasn't called you to be that. He hasn't called you to just pray and pray and pray and know and know and know and read and read and read and never grow. Because that is possible. You could pray till you're blue in the face. You could read until you know the Bible memorized. But if you don't ever put it into action, there's no growth in that. There's growth in knowledge, but not growth in expression. Okay? Because we, I know you know you gotta be a doer of the word, but we hide behind things like, uh, like we're, we're, uh, we, we hide behind this idea that we're, we're gonna, we're gonna get there eventually. But once, I want you to shorten that up. If you know the truth, you can walk in it. Because Jesus is alive on the inside of you. Because hope ought to be there the moment you realize something new. The moment you see an aspect or a facet of God's nature on the inside of you, you can walk in freedom. Today. Amen. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Let's, let's do verse 3 again. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers how? In knowing about them? No, let's keep reading. 
Partakers of the divine nature. How do we partake? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. And beside this, this is how we partake. You want to know how you look like Christ and partake of the divine nature? Giving all diligence. Everybody say diligence. Add to your faith. Now, now what faith are we talking about? He's writing this to believers that had received Christ. And they received a simple message. Jesus, the man, died for your sins and was raised from the dead. And if you put your faith and hope in him, you will be raised with him. And he gives you new life and your sins are forgiven and you are one with God and there's no separation. And here is the Holy Spirit. That was the gospel. That was it. And this is the faith that they all had. And here Peter says, if you're going to be partakers of the divine nature, he says, with all diligence, add to that faith that you have, add virtue. So here comes the letter from Peter expounding and explaining more of the nature of Christ. And here's what I want us to see. The moment you read it, we're so rich. We have all of this knowledge right here in our hand. But they would get a letter from the apostle that said, this is what look, Jesus looked like. And the spirit of Christ on the inside of them leaped up and said, yes, I want to look like that too. And they would run into that and look like that. And that is the potential of this word. It is not to be meditated endlessly for years and years and years and contemplated and then made no effect. The moment you read, add to your faith virtue, uprightness, righteousness, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. Well, I'm not a patient person. Good news, you are now. <laughs> Hallelujah. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make it that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you could be full of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but if you are not diligent to make these things abound in your life, you will be unfruitful. And here's, here's how I define growth now as a Christian. Growth does not occur because you pray for two hours. Maybe knowledge does. Maybe hearing God does. Growth occurs when you hear and obey. Everybody with me? Growth occurs... When he says to you in your prayer, whether you've been praying five minutes or you've been praying five hours, he gives you an instruction and you say, yes, sir. And you exercise his instruction to you. The moment he gives you an instruction on what you're supposed to be doing, you exercise it. And there is no turnaround time. There is no lag time. There is no going around. the. Well, I've been going around the mountain for 20 years trying to get victory over this thing. There's a breakdown in your communication. There is. Because the victory over that thing came the moment you died with Christ. And if you've been going around the mountain for 20 years looking for deliverance, there's something about your faith that's lacking. 
And I'm here to give you hope and expectancy and change and to be able to say enough with the old. It's time to bring in the new. Enough with complacency. Enough with inability. Enough with failure. It's time to receive what he says I can receive. It's time to be who he says I can be. And if you do not have a hope that you can be what he says you can be, there isn't going to be any faith there for it anyway. Right? So faith gives substance to things hoped for. If it doesn't jar you, this message ought to jar you. It ought to be, I can walk in freedom in that thing now. If you've got an addiction to pornography, you can be free today. And if you go around the mountain for 10 years, don't say I didn't tell you. Because Jesus didn't come to say, hey, you can be free. Let's let's work on it for 10 years. He said, the old things have passed away. New things have come. And if you take a step in obedience to believe the faith of the gospel, you didn't recreate yourself. You didn't give yourself a new heart. He did. He made the old things pass away. And he will give and supply the ability to walk in freedom. But be full of faith, be full of hope, take steps of obedience and exercise. So you make a mistake and you fail. Get up and make another mistake. And eventually you're going to continue to press and push and change and grow. And you start to appropriate the divine nature. That's what he said. You start to receive and be a partaker of the divine nature because these things abound in you. Your virtue is known by everybody. Your brotherly love is known by everybody. Your patience is known by everybody because you practice them. Everybody say practice. It's a really simple gospel. You've been given the Holy Ghost. You've been given newness of life. You've been given a blueprint for who you should be. Practice it. Amen. And we get lulled to sleep. We get lulled to sleep by these self-doubt and let's look at my past. And this happened to me when I was a kid. And if I would have had better parents and if my friends weren't so mean, garbage. Jesus died with you and raised with you. That's the end of the discussion. And everybody's got a soft story and everybody's got tough stuff. He's come with grace. He's come with strength. He's come to rewrite your story if it doesn't look like it's supposed to. But if you continue to uplift and say, well, I want you, I want you to look at my problem. No, I want you to look at the solution. I want you to fix your eyes on Christ. They were going straight. I, I, we have it pretty easy, I think. They were going straight from proclaiming Christ and being baptized straight into persecution in the early church. They were going straight out of that. I don't know how many years Stephen was a Christian. Couldn't have been that many. But you read Stephen's speech and he knew full well he was risking his life to give that speech to those Pharisees. And they stoned him. And his last words with the people that were stoning him with hatred in their eyes, don't lay this into their charge. And and 
I don't like the message of inability. I like the message of ability. Don't tell me why it, it doesn't work for you. The gospel works for you as well as anybody else. Amen. Amen. Don't tell me about your problems. Tell me about Jesus. Don't tell me all the justifications of why I, I've just got to work on this. I'm still processing. You might have a heart issue. You might, you might love the world a little bit more than you should. Let's, let's really identify what the issue is. If there's some things, if you're sitting on the fence and you, I love, you know, you're playing with a sin. Let's be honest. Okay. You enjoy it. All right. So now we can work on it. <laughs> but don't tell me I love Jesus and I love my sin. Because he don't, he's not going to buy that. And I'm here to warn you ahead of time, he's not going to buy that. He's going to pull somebody up from the crowd that lived in a way worse time than you did. <laughs> and you're going to be standing there looking pretty silly because you said, uh, you know, oh, I, I didn't get enough hugs that day. <laughs> you got something stronger than those things. Amen. People didn't treat me right. I, I didn't, you know, they didn't give me my fair share. Or whatever excuse you come up with. I know I'm being vague, but I, I want you to, I want you to see the strength of the gospel and have hope for change. Because we make it so, I'll end with this, okay? We make it, we make our victory. We, we put Jesus in there somewhere, like some kind of formula. Like I know I'm a Christian, so I got the Bible, so maybe if I pray enough and I read enough, and maybe if I have enough support, and maybe if I get enough money or I get a good job, and maybe if I have, you know, at least a couple of people really like me, and, and you just start, you just start adding things that, you know, make it codependent on your victory or why you love people today. And you say, well, I didn't love people today because I had a bad day because other people treat me bad. The Bible is not so weak. The gospel is not so weak. God, Jesus described God as He sends His Son to shine on the wicked and on the just. He sends His rain on the sinner and the saint at the same time. And He has called, and at the end of that, in Matthew 5, you read it. He says, you be perfect like your Father is perfect. And that word perfect there, don't take that to mean the wrong way. That's just a nice King James way of saying, you're supposed to look like Him. You're supposed to exemplify Him. You're supposed to stand in his standing. And he wouldn't say to do that if it wasn't possible. We make the gospel way weaker than we should and we make it codependent on people treating us right and us getting to learn enough. You read this New Testament as though everything it's telling you is possible right now. Amen. Amen. Amen.